0: You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses. And you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. KJ Podcast,
2: my people, what's going on? Sunday edition of the show. San Francisco 49ers football analysis is what we deliver on a weekly basis. 49ers travel to Houston for five days, culminates in a Saturday preseason game against the Texans. 16-13 loss, preseason week number two is over. News, nuggets, analysis to break down. On offense, on defense, guys are locking up their spots. Certain guys are probably going to get cut. There's some themes going on on both offense and defense to definitely get into. The rule change with the helmets, Richard Sherman firing off a bunch of tweets, blasting it Sunday morning. 49ers involved in a couple different plays where that rule change Really, it's bothersome in the preseason. Imagine this in the fourth quarter of a big game and it costs the team field position and they end up losing. I mean, there's some things the NFL has to think about here. Then I think I want to unveil a 53-man roster. So two weeks of the preseason, there's a little bit of moving and shaking that can be done. I mean, Alfred Morris didn't even play, and there's certain holes to figure out, but why not go through it at the end of this podcast? Let's see where we stand two weeks of the preseason. I think it's pretty clear we're going to be starting with Jimmy Garoppolo this week. He marches down the field, opening drive, touchdown, 6 of 7, 87 yards on that drive. No running game, pressure in his face. What I love most is touchdown in the red zone. Trent Taylor slant route, 2-yard scoring play. They finished, not like the Texans' defense is overwhelming. No J.J. Watt, their secondary is kind of meh. They added Tyran Matthew, but... Jimmy Garoppolo did this last season against the Texans. I like to see an opening drive touchdown from my franchise quarterback. His throw to Marquise Goodwin down the field, so much pressure in his face, arms in his face. He doesn't look to leave the pocket. His eyes are down the field. He delivered it from a weird arm slot. His footwork wasn't perfect. The strike was right on the money. His two-yard touchdown pass to Trent Taylor, moving in around the pocket, throwing... Around the tree, he loves that bend throw. The defender is like right in his eyesight and he gets the ball in between that. That's a skill. You can't coach it. Kyle Shanahan has a quarterback that likes uncomfortable throwing. Jimmy Garoppolo, most of his big plays have not been from a clean pocket. He likes a little bit of chaos up in front of him. Someone to make a move and him to locate and just fire. He rarely hesitates. His interception... He made a little bit of a high throw. He's not going to be top three in accuracy every year. I think he'll be top 10 every year. But this style and the uncomfortable setting that he likes to be in, it's valuable because your O-line doesn't have to dominate up front at all. Jimmy Garoppolo does not need them to stonewall. So you can draft guys like Mike McGlinchey who are – known more as run blockers he's going to be good enough as a pass blocker Jimmy G likes a little bit of pressure coming around that right edge stepping up locating down the field that's such a strength to have there's 15 quarterbacks around the league who will start this year who do not like pressure who they're going to try and keep clean as much as possible Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo of course you don't want him getting hurt but not every scheme you build in has to be Oh, God, we've got to help. I know I've said we're going to see Selleck help McGlinchey more on the right side. Maybe not just because of Jimmy G and his ability to handle this pressure. It's fun to watch. This dude is – I enjoy it. I'm sitting here watching a preseason game and actually into every throw and monitoring anytime Jimmy Garoppolo on the field. It's – anything can fucking happen. I mean that's the whole point of getting this franchise guy for a second-round pick. At the end of the day, we, we can say, oh man, they might have busted on um, maybe it's not Salman Thomas, but they, they Joe Williams, they, they've made some bad picks. They've got Jimmy Garoppolo. They got the key piece here. It's all, it's going to be about finding little side pieces to him. They've got the entree. You've got to get some appetizers. You've got to fix up the defense. But if they make the playoffs, it's going to be because of Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to mask so much deficiencies. And I've even said, oh, it hinges on the defense. The more we're watching this guy, it's so special. He's doing it at a high, high level. If he regresses, it's going to be shocking. It's going to be absolutely like, wow, we did not see that coming. Interception, I am kind of putting on Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulders. I think Kyle put it on Dante post game, saying he had to catch that. It was high. It was high, and he needed to be a little more accurate with that throw. As the star of the team, as the guy who's lifting everyone else. I do pin that one on Jimmy G, but he looked fantastic. Offense, that is what it's going to look like. 40-yard strike to Marquise Goodwin, pushing the safeties back further down the field, then dinking and dunking to Kyle Juszczyk. Trent Taylor out on the flat. If Trent Taylor can start making some catches by the sideline there too, because they, Kyle loves using him on the in-breaking routes, If they can start slanting him, posting him out towards the sideline, he becomes even more dangerous. This is about shifting safeties and linebackers on the field. That's what Kyle Shanahan does. Then all of a sudden, you can pound the running game. That's not happening so far. And I don't think there's alarm bells. There's nothing that I'm really alarmed about on offense at all. Run game will get better. I didn't like Weston Richburg getting a bunch of penalties there holding and then unsportsmanlike conduct keep your cool you're a high price free agent bro uh, that's not gonna fly I don't want you getting technical fouls here this isn't the NBA 15 yards is a big freaking deal by the goal line yeah O-line doesn't look fantastic yeah McGlinchy was holding his own for sure Jeremy McNichols got the call last night I thought that was a strange move but I think it's a process of elimination move I don't think McNichols plays at all Week three of the preseason, he was running well in practice. He had earned it. This was his one chance. Ten carries, twenty-eight yards, long of six. Yeah, I don't I don't see it. And the running lanes were not there. I don't think the O line was getting like pushed around though. They weren't getting dominated up front. It was more McNichols had a chance to have more progress there, and I, I didn't see it at all. I, I thought it was puzzling that Alfred Morris didn't play at all, maybe in the second half get his legs a little loose you signed him and I guess he hasn't been in football shape and it takes a while maybe that was Alfred's call too I don't know how Kyle is using this but he did say after the game it's going to come down to the wire week four of the preseason actually might matter for the 49ers in this running back decision Mostert didn't even get a carry last night we'll get into my 53-man roster later but I, I just think Mostert If he's going to be the same as all these guys, I mean, Joe Williams is essentially out now too. Eight carries, 18 yards, has a pass bounce off his hands for an interception later in the game. If he was a seventh-round pick, he might get cut now. Just move on from him. But the fact that he's a fourth-round pick, the fact that Peter King told us Kyle Shanahan stood on the table for this guy, it's going to be awkward and messy cutting him, but I don't think Joe Williams is on his team. So I think it'll be the Mostert and Alfred Morris show next week, and if that looks good against the Colts, and we've got Ruben Foster's spot open. There might be four running backs on this team just because of the injuries to Breida and Jet McKinnon. This isn't a full projection. We didn't have these guys play a full fourth quarter game. The running game might have gotten going in the third quarter. Sometimes it is a brick wall up front. And with the same first team O-line, you're not going to be able to tell. I say the word gel all the time. Things gel together. It takes a ton of reps. McGlinchy's brand new. Weston Richburg's brand new. O-line is going to be a strength of this team come October. September, I'm not going to be shocked if they're struggling running the football. If this is the Jimmy G show, hey, he's got to throw 87 yards for us to make drives down the field. I think the O-line eventually, October, November, they start clicking together. There's more game film to watch during the week. This is what you did wrong. This is where we need to be. They they will tighten it up as this is a smart football team. This is Kyle Shanahan's football team. O-line is athletic enough now that they'll they'll become smarter and, and be able to figure it out. But yeah, running game, not worried, but not going to be shocked in September if it takes a little bit of time. KJ Podcast, thought another thing Kyle's doing, he's hiding Dante Pettis. He's not even putting him with Jimmy Garoppolo now. He doesn't want the league to know what that looks like. C.J. Beathard Beth- could have had two touchdowns with him in back-to-back weeks. Missed a throw to Dante Pettis. That would have been a 63-yard touchdown down the right sideline. Um, he looks good. He got stuffed on a reverse early in the game. That wasn't the best thing, but two catches, 32 yards. Could have been a lot more. Yeah, C.J. Beathard's kind of regressed. I think that is a real conversation the 49ers are having in meeting rooms, pulling up that film. Think of his debut last year at Washington. He was making some big-time throws in a spot. Maybe it was adrenaline and certain things carrying him, but more passes tipped at the line, more slow velocity, more missing throws from C.J. Beathard. Someone tweeted it. I think it might have been our boy Evan Sauer. He's not looking like Kirk Cousins. It's not looking like this is the second coming. We do have a true starter on the bench as well. Um, he did play deep into the game too. 10 of 17, 82 yards. He got his chances in there. Offense didn't look that great once Jimmy, Jimmy got off the field. Bottom line, wasn't the Richie James show this week. There wasn't huge plays being made. CJ Beathard's 17 yard run was like one of the highlights on offense. I know Kyle's frustrated with that because he wants his backups to look good too. He wants the whole team to have confidence. I don't think the game offensively went really well outside of Jimmy Garoppolo, but no alarm bells, just analyzing where things stack up. Let's talk helmet rule change. Richard Sherman firing off a couple tweets Sunday morning saying it'll be flag football soon. The rule is idiotic, should be dismissed immediately. Compares rugby players who don't use helmets. They still lead with their head. And he says... You made this rule, you run down the field, try and tackle someone and not lead with your head. You're trying to bring down a moving target. This is an impossible rule to enforce and it's so inconsistent. Look at the Minnesota-Jacksonville game on Saturday. Some of the roughing the passer penalties in there look like regular hits. I have said on this podcast before, I am in favor of the rule change. I'm changing my mind because... I'm in favor of safer football, but when it's going to be officiated so inconsistently and impact the flow of the game and make defenders, they're hitting people in a weird way now, leading with their shoulder. There's going to be a lot more shoulder injuries, and clearly we don't want head injuries, but it's going to be impossible to police. I don't know what the NFL is going to do. This is a crisis. They have to sit down and really figure out if they can play a full football season penalizing teams and not teaching teams. Like, How are we going to do this? A 10-minute video by Troy Vincent from the league is not good enough to explain and to change years of habits and this is going to be very bumpy and Twitter is going to be all over this rule and the NFL, again, we're not going to bring up the anthem thing, but just Their whole offseason has been kind of screwing with their momentum here. I am all for making the league safer. I want a rule to make the league safer. They're taking violence out of the game for sure. And I guess that's the goal. But it is really going to change the way defenses play. Kyle Shanahan has said zone defense is a lot more difficult to play now. There's going to be a lot of penalties there with collisions happening all the time. And guys literally can't control their momentum. They're running towards the football. And they're also trying to protect themselves too while trying to get a guy to the ground. I mean, 100 years from now, people might say, we were crazy for even playing football. Like That's so inhumane. But right now, in this moment in 2018, this rule change does feel like it's changing football for the worst. And as I said in the beginning of this podcast, this happens to the 49ers week one against Minnesota in the fourth quarter, gives Kirk Cousins field position. They kick a field goal, win the game. You're going to have people's jobs on the line. I mean, once losing happens because of that rule change, people are going to be furious. And there's going to just be such an outcry. The NFL has dealt with crises before. The replacement refs, they've screwed things up in the past. I don't know. I don't think you can change a rule in the middle of the season. That's the problem with the NFL. So 49ers last night, Jeremiah Atachu penalized as a Leo pass rusher on the outside, lowered his head, hit an offensive lineman, and, and just nothing really stopped. It didn't stop any progress, was flagged a 15-yarder. The one I thought the refs may have gotten right was Raheem Mostert as a punt gunner there. He kind of did... Make contact, helmet to helmet. He did lower the head. It was a clear lower the head. It was a special team situation. Listen, I don't know. I'm not an NFL ref. I, don't, I would not want to be an NFL ref this season. They, they're bringing in a lot of new refs. Wave of retirements. A lot of guys bowing down, bowing out. NFL is going to have a serious problem on their hands. People are still going to watch, but they are going to lose a lot of credibility in people's <laughs> eyes of how... They police their game. This should have been an incremental rule change. A lot of the times I tell you I have the right answer with the 49ers. Listen to me here. Draft Harold Landry. Do this. Do that. I don't have an answer for this helmet rule, but it's going to be problematic. Kyle Shanahan always says we're going to have to deal with it. This is what it is. He's not going to spend time bitching about it in meeting rooms. He's going to say this is how we're going to play on defense. These are the techniques we're going to use in practice to make sure we're not using our head. We can't afford to be penalized 15 yards on defense. That's not even the strong unit. Let's actually go to defense now while we're on that because right now 49ers, not sounding alarm bells, but not going to be entirely shocked if this unit isn't as great as 49ers fans hope heading into 2018. Second straight drive, back-to-back weeks, it's Deshaun Watson, and there was Dak Prescott week one of the preseason Marching down, touchdown, very easy. Bruce Ellington goes off, four catches, 50 yards against his defense. Adrian Colbert has a missed tackle on third down. Extends a big play. Jaquiski Tark gets beat for a touchdown. Looked like he was in zone coverage, and the rest of the team was in man. I don't know if it was a miscommunication on the goal line. No pressure, really, up front. Solomon Thomas was out. I am not thrilled with their preseason performance Doesn't mean they're not going to fire on all cylinders. Ruben Foster was actually excellent. He played a little bit early into the second quarter too. Tipped a pass. Was in the backfield on a couple runs. So a couple bright spots. Fair to say there's no Richard Sherman this week. He sat out after nagging that hamstring. 49ers obviously think he's going to plug some holes on defense. But I think it's going to be pretty easy to beat this team intermediately if you're a good passer. If you're Deshaun Watson... I think there's going to be holes in this defense 20 yards down the field. Akilah Witherspoon looks more physical. He had a pass breakup early in the game as he knocked the shit out of a guy. He looks better in run support too, but I think Akilah Witherspoon will be better this season and he'll still get burned a lot. And It's going to be confusing because he looks better, but I think he's going to get beat 15, 20 yards over the middle of the field quite a bit just because he's going to be going up against pretty damn good receivers, against pretty damn good quarterbacks. And we're going to have Tart playing up in the box more. Colbert, there's going to be a lot on his plate. I think Colbert's going to have to help Richard Sherman a lot in September. And he's going to be shaded towards that side of the field. And Witherspoon could be left on a little bit of an island. Things are starting to play out. You can look at tape. You can watch the game. It's easy to kind of predict a killer Witherspoon going to get picked on. But I think he will make plays, and I think he can provide blanket coverage. He's going to be a little inconsistent this year, a little bit better than last year, a little more physical, looks bigger, better tackler, but there's just not going to be enough help over there on that side of the field. I love the D-line depth. My goodness, Sheldon Day, he might be platooning with Earl Mitchell more than people think at defensive tackle It knows. Right there, stopping the run. He's agile. I mean, his agility rating, he can juke a little bit and use his feet work to kind of get free, poke a ball loose. I don't know why Jacksonville cut him. I guess there's so many good players on that Jaguars defense. They didn't have room for him. That is a nice little midseason acquisition. You're going to count on that from Adam Peters every now and then to kind of pluck one of these guys that hits the waiver wire. It looks like Sheldon Day. I think he's a lock the roster right now. DJ Jones. They said he's transformed his body. Tim Ryan on the broadcast. Um, not going to go into how many names they mispronounce and things they didn't say right, but Tim Ryan pointed out, yeah, DJ Jones does look like a different type of D lineman. He looks even more athletic. He's lost, they're saying, at least 20 pounds. He, I think he's close to a lock and he's very versatile. You can use him at big end you can use him really anywhere but that Leo spot. That's that's really nice versatility to have. That's been the biggest revelation of the preseason is the D-line is actually deep. Ronald Blair might not make the team. In my 53, it's between him and Kwan Williams. That's going to be a very tough cut either or on the D-line or at corner. Tarverius Moore, great game at corner. Tipped a pass that got intercepted had some blanket coverage on third down. He's coming in nicely. I don't know at the numbers if he's going to be one of the guys active. He might be one of their scratches. You know, fifty-three active guys, forty-six can dress for game day. Dumbest rule ever, but I think yeah, you're trying to make the game safer. And oh, these seven, you know, they can't play. You have a you actually have a forty-six man roster and twenty-two positions to field. That doesn't leave you a lot of room for error, but I think Tavares Moore will dress some this season, but I think early in the year, there's a chance he might. We'll see how injuries shape up over there. Jimmy Ward, your friendly reminder, he's getting paid $8.5 million this year. We kind of burnt him last weekend. Don't want to focus too much on that storyline. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a situation where Tavares Moore will play over Jimmy Ward. Maybe not early in the year, but Hopefully at the end of the year, if Jimmy Ward's getting burnt like this in the preseason and that continues and he has to make spot starts, I'd shift to more. I would I would like to see that. We'll see where the 49ers are in the standings. It's it's hard to make blanket predictions like that, but I would keep our eye out for more. That was his best game so far in the preseason. Um KJ Podcast breaking down the defense, not happy with the first unit. They got the Colts next week. I am predicting Andrew Luck to march down the field and have a touchdown next week against the 49ers, and I'm not going to be surprised. It's going to be a lot more 31-28 shootouts. Hopefully the running game is better when everyone's healthy. These reps that Jet McKinnon and Matt Breed are missing with this new uh, O-line. That's kind of some of the themes that are coming out right now that are a little scary. Run game and first-team defense have been non-existent in two games. Doesn't mean they won't click right away, but I think some September struggles are very realistic in both those departments. Dante Perez, Kyle's hiding him. Can't wait to see that with Jimmy Garoppolo. Looks like, I think, one deep pass a game to Dante Perez. Try and hit one home run with him a week. I think you might hit four or five this season. 60 yarders, scheming him up one-on-one, stacking everyone to the left side. Pushing safeties. Kyle knows every defensive coordinator in the league. He knows how to get this guy open on the outside. C.J. Beathard missed him last night. That's okay. Jimmy G will hit him. C.J. Beathard has regressed. That's a huge storyline. I'm not feeling like the Niners can carry momentum. They're five and three. Jimmy G sprained his wrist. He's gonna miss two weeks. It's throwing wrist. He just there's no way he can throw it. C.J. Beathard's got to play two games in October. Monday night game against the Giants I don't know I don't know if he can win that game right now the rest of the team's a lot better but it hasn't been like oh wow we've got this really good backup and he can complete passes and Kyle can make a game plan where it's all for his strengths and he'll look better but I just think there's a certain ceiling you reach propping CJ Beathard up um Disappointed. I I had higher expectations for C.J. Beathard. I thought we were going to walk away from this preseason and say, he actually can win a couple games. It it does not look like that. Julian Taylor, Richie James, a couple of the big guys from week one of the preseason, quiet in week two, doesn't mean much. I kind of called this out on Friday. It could be between Richie James and Kendrick Bourne. I don't think Bourne is an automatic slam dunk. He got so much positive hype in the offseason. We know he'd been late for meetings last year, and he really turned that around. Kylo was open about saying that. Made big plays against the Jaguars and the Titans. Yeah, I think it was the Titans game he, t- he took one 60 yards down the field. He, he does look like a potential replacement for Pierre Garçon, and it's hard to cut that for sure. I don't know how much of an impact he would make this season with Dante Pettis and Trent Taylor ahead of him. And then you're talking about sacrificing special teams play. Burbridge or Mostert, one of those two is going to make it. If it's Mostert and you're saying, ah, we're not going to keep Alfred Morris, we're not going to keep Joe Williams, Mostert will be our third guy. Mostert might have to get a lot of carries week one against Minnesota too because you're going to have McKinnon and Breida. Still healing. We don't know exactly where those injuries will stand at that time. That's why, obviously, Alfred Morris was brought in. Ruben Foster's got the suspension. There's a couple little loopholes where you can carry extra guys earlier in the year. I'm just saying, if you cut Burbridge, Mostert's got to be on the roster pretty much. He's your top punt gunner. You can't be giving up field position on defense. Your defense isn't that good yet. You don't get the luxury. And that's why... All these decisions play into each other. So I just think Mostert's good enough at running back and great at special teams, whereas your third guy, Alfred Morris, is the the whole wild card. Let's just get there now. We'll do the 53-man roster. Here's my take. If I'm John Lynch, putting my hat on. Two quarterbacks, Jimmy G, CJ Beathard. I have four running backs for week one, and it will be McKinnon, Breida, Mostert, and I'm keeping Alfred Morris with stars next to him. This is Ruben Foster's replacement. Right now, suspended until week three. They get to put him on the suspension list and add a spot to the 53 man roster. It's nice how the league lets you do that. Suspensions would be a lot bigger deal if that was still taking up a spot. It gives them insurance there. I think we'll see Alfred Morris next week against the Colts. I think he'll look, he might have 10 carries for 28 yards too, but I'm carrying that over Jeremy McNichols because I know that Alfred Morris has done it before. I'm not taking a chance on Jeremy McNichols. I am using this as a body. And then if Alfred does start to look good and he looks like, oh, you know, we've got to keep him, you would talk about cutting Mostert and you'd talk about wiggling things around to get Burbridge back. Uh, you would have some really tough decisions there, but running back's very crowded. I'll keep four now. One fullback, Kyle Juszczyk. Um, So if you keep Mostert and you have that extra spot, you're going to be able to keep six receivers. Garcon, Goodwin, Pettis, Taylor, Bourne, and James. And then I'm practice squatting Aaron Burbridge. He still has that ability this early in his career. I'm stashing him there. He's not that good of a receiver where teams are going to pluck him off there. This is a smart move for the 49ers to keep Burbridge there, keep him warm for special teams. He's in the building practicing every day. See how Alfred Morris plays out. If you don't need Alfred Morris, then you can keep these six. You can keep Kendrick Bourne and Richie James and Raheem Mostert. If Alfred Morris, you don't need him, you trust Breida and McKinnon, then you can keep Richie James and Bourne. If you need Alfred Morris – And you have to keep Mostert too. You're going to have to, I think, push Richie James or Kendrick Bourne to the practice squad. You're just going to pray that they stay there, but someone's going to pluck them. People respect Kyle's ability to evaluate receivers too much. Someone would get really excited and grab one of those guys. So a lot of dominoes to be shifted there. Um, Ultimately, I think 49ers fans would rather say bye-bye to Alfred Morris because he's 29 years old. And Richie James and Kendrick Bourne have potential to be big-time contributors, potential starters three, four years from now if they continue to develop, so but possibly not too. And you're talking about winning this season and Alfred Morris being durable and a goal line back as opposed to the future. I mean, it's it's a really strong football debate. Do you want the future intact at receiver and have some pieces there? Or do you want to win on Sundays and use Alfred Morris on a third and three? Richie James or Kendrick Bourne have combined 10, 15 catches this year. They're not going to be heavily involved in the offense. Dante Pettis is that good. You're going to have a tough time getting him involved. You can't even really worry about those two now. So this is a serious debate. And it all hinges on how good Alfred Morris is. Obviously, Joe Williams is caught in my mind. Jeremy McNichols. I thought Kyle made a mistake last night doing that. I guess that was process of elimination, but he showed... Pretty much nothing. Tight end, three. Kittle, Selleck, Hicatini. O-line, I have seven. Staley, left tackle, left guard, Tomlinson, Weston Richburg at center. Mike Person, I'm, I'm starting him at right guard. I don't think he's looked that bad. Then right tackle, Mike McGlinchey. I'm going to keep Joshua Garnett over Jonathan Cooper. Um, he looked better to me. And He's got strength, and I actually think he's a good run blocker. I think he kind of gets mauled a little bit in the pass blocking, but I think as a run blocker, maybe eventually he takes over for Mike Person. Maybe he doesn't, but I think you're kind of stuck with him now. Then I'll keep Eric Magnuson. He can play center, guard, tackle if he really has to. So, yeah, I'm cutting Gary Gilliam. I don't think he's that good. I think you could pick up a Gary Gilliam essentially – And if you have an injury to Staley, you move McGlinchey to left tackle, and you pick up a right tackle, you're leaving yourself a little thin at tackle. And I'm not happy about that. You're also kind of thin at tight end. His Kittle's banged up, so it's just Selleck and Hicatini. Got to remember, Kyle Juszczyk, though, can play some tight end in a pinch. So that's 23 players on offense will move to defense. Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, Earl Mitchell, Eric Armstead, I'm keeping him because you're paying him so much money. You don't want to just swallow that money. Julian Taylor, Sheldon Day, DJ Jones. I'm going to keep Ronald Blair because D-line is a position you need more depth than corner. So I have Ronald Blair making it over Kwan Williams. I hate doing that to my boy KK, but the numbers game is getting tough. I'm projecting it from, from their side of things. DJ Reed too, they like him a lot. That's that's essentially what it is. Sucks for KK. I'm like, I hate this. I don't want to kick people out the football team. Five outside linebackers. I mean, this position does does not look good, guys. Cassius Marsh, Eli Harold, Jeremiah Tachu, He had I think 47 snaps last night, 40 snaps, something like that, playing first half and second half. I barely noticed he was on the field besides that penalty. P to T. And then I'm not keeping Dakota Watson. I'm going to try and pick up a free agent. I'm leaving that spot open to picking up someone. Arthur Moats is a guy with the Cardinals now trying to make the team. He's a Sam linebacker. He can play outside linebacker. Come up with names like that, guys who are fringe guys who've been around the league. I think they need to add a veteran there. It needs to be someone who's even if he's aging and older and not that athletic, dare I say calling Elvis Dumerville, uh, this outside linebacker position is the number one priority heading into next offseason. We will see how it shapes up. Um, Four inside linebackers to start the season. Ruben Foster doesn't count. He's suspended. You have Malcolm Smith. I guess we have not seen this guy play. I don't get it. Fred Warner, Brock Coyle. I'm keeping Elijah Lee over Corey Toomer. I know he's kind of had some missteps. He's been out of place. He's also been around the ball a lot. And he'll be a guy that's inactive most times. But to start the year, he might be up and playing some special teams while Ruben Foster's out. I'm keeping five cornerbacks. Richard Sherman, Akilah Witherspoon, DJ Reed, Tavarius Moore, Jimmy Ward. Yeah, your two rookies, obviously, they're going to play this year. More, probably not. DJ Reed, is he your nickelback? Is he on the field week one? I mean, this is the big decision you have to make here because you're not cutting Jimmy Ward. You owe him 8500000 million. You're not just flushing that money down the toilet, even though you want to keep Kwan Williams, even though he's probably a better football player for your team. I think it's a financial decision there. Yeah, so it's going to be corner. It, really, to me, I almost do want to keep Kwan Williams over Ronald Blair. I really think it's enough with Sheldon Day, DJ Jones, Julian Taylor. That's that's a lot of depth already. Yeah, you know what? I'm changing my mind as I build this football team. Ronald Blair, I'm sorry. I'm keeping Kwan Williams, Nickelback, more important. DJ Reed's a rookie. You've got to have a little more depth at Nickel. <laughs> Dude, it is hard to build a football team. Four safeties, Adrian Colbert, Joukowsky Tart. I'm keeping Anton Exum and Marcel Harris right now. My boy, Chancellor James, I'm sorry I led you guys on. He's kind of been a miss this preseason. I don't know if it's coming back from ACL too early. He's not been the physical clobber. Maybe he's a practice guy. Um, Not seeing it from him. I, I can't just hand him a spot. I thought Exum's looked good. Harris is your draft pick. I would go with Harris right now. Special teams, Robbie, Gold, Bradley, Pinion, Kyle Nelson. We did see our boy Dante Pettis as a punt returner. DJ Reed doing some kicks. Richie James doing some kicks. That'll help his cause. It's going to be, I said, really, really hard to cut him. If it came down to Richie James or Kendrick Bourne, oh man, I think I'd have to go Richie James. He's going to be a contributor for sure. Taylor Gabriel-esque. Whereas, I think Bourne's more boom or bust. He could be actually a starter on the outside, or he might just fizzle out. I think James actually is the safer bet. But hopefully it doesn't come down to that. A lot hinges on Alfred Morris. That's a bigger debate than people might think, and why I put that out there. It's hard to put everything in a 280-character thing. The point is running back and receiver are crowded right now, and the guys that they love aren't good at special teams. And either Mostert or Burbridge has to be on the roster, really, at all times. And that's it sucks that Kendrick Bourne isn't also really good at special teams. Richie James isn't big enough to be that tackler on special teams. It's tough. This is a tough thing that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they're going to cut a couple of good players. It'll be a lot easier if Alfred Morris comes in, fumbles and busts, and Kyle said, I just can't do it. But I do think early in the year, just because Breida and McKinnon, they're not going to know. I think they're going to have to keep Alfred Morris for week one. I'd be surprised if he didn't make the roster. There's going to be some finagling. There could be some trades for some outside linebackers to help this team. Kyle had a quote after the game It is tough to coach pass rush. They brought in Chris Kiffin to try and coach this thing up. I just don't think the pieces are there. It's going to hurt the defense. We've recapped major themes. We're kind of going on and on here, but I think I had to go through the 53-man roster. That's where it stands. Let me know. I'm sure I'm going to get some tweets. How could you forget this guy? I can't believe you only kept seven O-linemen. I think Kyle, there'll be O-linemen that he's familiar with that he can plug and play, and they've got to load up some other areas. But, of course, you're going to have O-line injuries. That that is going to be a thing. It's the NFL. Helmet rule a problem. Jimmy G looks awesome. First-team defense. They're going to get beat Intermediately Quite a bit this year I think that's That's just the way Life's going to go There's going to be A lot of shootouts There's going to be A lot going on I'm losing my voice A little bit We're talking a bunch On the KJ podcast Thank you for listening Share this podcast Rate Subscribe on iTunes Early September Some big announcements Coming Been about a year As a free agent here Doing my own thing But finally Excited to Announce what's next For my media career KJ Podcast, we are out. Talk to you again next week. We're in the dog days of summer now, guys. Roster pretty much set. Themes have been discussed. I got a wedding in Philly next week. We'll figure out the recording schedule. Appreciate you guys. Keep sharing this. KJ Podcast. Talk to you again soon. Peace.